0: It's New York, yo, it's in New York, yo, it's a New
1: And welcome to Crash Course Autographs. Today, Matt welcomes lead singer and bassist for The Dolly Rots, Kelly Ogden. The Dolly Rots' newest album is a live album called Family Vacation Live from Los Angeles, released alongside a DVD of the same name. The album is essentially a live greatest hits of the band's 16-year long career. Here Kelly and Matt chat about how the band has evolved over the years and where it's headed in the future. She chats about her life as a rock and roll mom and how that's affected her writing, touring, and especially scheduling. They also chat about why the band decided to release a live album instead of a new LP, why they included the cover of Brand New Key, and what that song meant to Kelly specifically. And so, without further ado, here's presenting Matt Storm and Kelly Ogden.
2: And welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. I'm so excited to have today Kelly O. of the Dolly Rots. Thank you for joining me.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: My pleasure. So, um, we actually first spoke... Ages ago, back before I was doing podcasting, we had done a text-based interview where we chatted on Skype and then I transcribed the whole thing. Um,
0: Oh, awesome. I remember that.
2: Years and years ago. And so, thankfully, I've moved into the future where now I don't have to transcribe because transcribing interviews is a nightmare. Um, Much much easier to just chat and then put it on the Internet. So I'm happy to do that this time around. Um, Thank you for sharing the new... Video and album for um, Family Vacation, which I loved. Um, awesome. My first, my first question about Family Vacation is, what made you guys want to do a live album? Um, you know, you guys are pretty frequent at putting out regular albums. What, what was the difference to or choice to do a live album this time?
3: I mean, there were there were a few different things working, you know, at the same time that that made us just think, okay, it's just time to do a live album. I think. You know, and part of it is we've been a band about fifteen years and you know, we've released I think six albums and done lots of other projects and we toured and toured and toured and you know, we we had a, a baby, he's he's now two. And so life has changed a bit and you know, we don't tour quite the way we used to. And there are a lot of smaller places that, you know, we probably realistically aren't gonna hit again. And so we figured we should probably get you know, a real documentation of what we're like as a band now, you know, while it's still current and, you know, that's what people want to see. And so, you know, there was, was a lot of that. And then also the fact that we had the the tour dates booked with bullying for Soup, like we knew that we were going out on tour. And we also, as new parents, knew that there wasn't a whole lot of time to write a record, especially if we were going to be on tour. And so it all just, kind of made sense, and you were like, all right,
2: it's now or never, let's do the live album thing. Awesome. Um, you mentioned Bowling for Soup, which of course is how I was first exposed to you guys. Um, I saw you guys open for Bowling for Soup a while back. I think it was actually a tour where you guys were also on tour with Pat Pending, who I've become oh, fairly, yeah. very close with, um, which leads me to a question. How did that friendship kind of happen? I know that you know you know Jared for a while, but how did you guys first kind of bond and and begin touring together because you guys tour very often together um yeah have you are you guys old friends or is it something that happened just while you were in the scene
3: yeah we were i mean it, it actually we were fans of the band and then it was it was further started by a myspace message from chris Burney, and then that must have been i don't know how many years ago because we were on myspace but he sent he sent a really cute message in it with something like, Hey, my name's Chris, I play in a band. You probably don't you probably never heard of us called Bowen for Soup. We were like, Oh my god <laughs> uh, he's like, I really like your band, you know, just wanted to let you know maybe we could play sometime or whatever and it was the cutest message ever. <laughs> and so we wrote back and you know, we didn't we didn't really keep in touch. I don't know. I I guess it was you know, it was pretty smartphone and all that and so we maybe went back and forth a couple times, but then, you know, we just toured and toured and toured and moved forward. And then we saw that Bowling for Soup was doing a U.S. tour. And actually, our I think our lawyer, our booking agent, somebody told us, they were like, hey, Bowling for Soup's looking for a support act. And they're like, you know anybody in their camp? And we're like, yes. And we have friends that are friends with them. Why don't we just, like, ask all of our friends to tell them that we're not crazy and they should take us on tour. <laughs> and so, you know, we kind of... We had a couple of people like we knew Linus of Hollywood, who, you know, does a lot of the Bowling for Soup production now for their albums. Mm-hmm. And then we also had this is a funny, like, connection. There's a radio station in Ohio called WNCI, and it's the Top 40 station. And they have been, like, huge Bowling for suit fans forever. Um, but then when we were on Blackheart Records, we did, like, the whole radio promo thing. And so. Whenever we were on tour there, we stopped in for their morning show. And so we've, we've kind of just befriended them over the years. And they were in town for something. I guess they, they always go to L.A., where we're based, for the Grammys every year. And so they were in town for the Grammys, and Bowling for Soup was playing the same night that they had a night off or something. They are like, hey, you want to go see Bowling for Soup with us? And so we went to the bar across the way, had way too much to drink. And then we, you know, wander into – the Boy for Soup show, as like their guest, because of course, you know, we hadn't planned ahead and didn't have tickets. And then right before their set, we just walk right up into the dressing room and we're like, hey, we're the Dolly Rock. You want to take us on tour? We're fun and wild and crazy. <laughs> and, you know, they, I'm surprised that they didn't just take one look at us and be like, oh my God, forget it. Get them out of here. <laughs> Instead, we all, I mean, we hung out that night and got along and, I guess, like, a week later, they offered us their their East Coast date because this was the West Coast leg of the tour. And right. they were like, hey, can you meet us? I think it was, like, Birmingham, Alabama. Like, if you meet us in Birmingham, Alabama, you can have a whole tour. And so, you know, that night, I remember just sitting in their dressing room and, like, way after the show, we all just talked and talked and talked. And, you know, it was kind of just friendship, you know, at first sight. <laughs> We all just got along really well, and it, it just felt natural and cool, and, you know, we we love those guys. The crew, the band, everybody that's involved with that band is just, they're really good people. And so, you yeah, know, it just kind of worked out. We would like to hang out, so <laughs> we get to go on tour together all the time.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, you can tell like the, when I, every time, and I think every time I've seen you guys, it's been with Bowling for Soup, and it's been several times. And you guys yeah. have this kind of onstage band chemistry that I've never seen with other bands. Just you know, you get along so well and play songs together. And I mean,
0: yeah,
2: I remember when you guys put out the album where you you guys Bowling for Soup and Pet Pending, all covering each other's songs. How did yeah that was that concept, fun. how did that concept come up?
3: That was just Jarrett being brilliant. He was like, "Hey, we're doing this tour in the UK. We need. What if we put out an album all together to promote it?" And we were like, "Yes, that's a brilliant idea," because then you know, by covering each other's songs, it brings you know each band's fans into the other band's worlds, and sure. it was such a it was just such a cool project to do too. Because I mean, I love Pat and songs and Bone for Soup songs. So it was kind of fun to pick our favorites and do them.
2: And so, is that how that happened? Like the ones that you guys played, or just you picked your favorites and and did those? Oh
3: yeah, yeah. There's just I think there was like an email thread, and it was like I was like I want to do this song, what is possible? So yeah, it was just really natural.
2: Cool, awesome. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about specifically The Dolly Rots, and um, some of your older songs. So well, one of my favorite songs that you guys do is Jackie Chan, um, which I've been listening yeah. to for a long time, and that one's been around a while. Um, I was really curious, did, did I mean, you know, the song is mostly about kicking someone's butt, not so much about Jackie Chan. It's just kicking their butt no. like Jackie Chan. Did did, that, did Did the idea to use him in the song come from being a fan of his stuff, or is it just, like, how did that song kind of come to be?
3: Do you want to know, like, the crushing truth, or or should I make something up?
2: I mean, I suppose we're all about honesty here, so you can share the truth, as long as you don't mind your fans knowing the
3: truth. So that was – we always tell the truth, anyway. That was one of the very first songs that we ever played as a band, and that was – it was actually written by our first bass player when we were a band called No Chef, and I played, like, rhythm guitar, and I sang background vocals. And he was learning kung fu at the time, and he loved kung fu movies, and he wanted me to sing it. And so, like, we kind of wrote it in like a, you know, girl-getting-dumped kind of perspective. But, yeah, it was just kind of, I mean, that band, we just wrote, oh, man, we wrote so many jokes on. They were amazing. It was the era of (laughs) Jackie Chan. There was a song (laughs) called Taco Bell Girl that Louis sang about falling in love with the cashier at Taco Bell. (laughs) <laughs> um, there was one called Charles Manson went in my wallet because our friend Josh, the bass player, looked kind of like Charles Manson and his, on his ID. Oh, wow. Um, there was Big Fat Mutant Pigeon, Goo Box, I mean, just so many, so many silly songs. So, yeah, that one just stuck. It's a fun one to play, so. But, yeah, it's, it's not deep. <laughs> well, that's okay. Not at all. <laughs>
2: Um, well, that leads me to, like, the songs that you that you wrote back in the day versus the stuff you, you wrote more recently. How do you keep the older songs fresh when playing them live? Like, I, what I love about the live record is, it's, as I recall, Because i Awesome has, like, this awesome guitar solo in it that I don't think is in the studio version. And, like, do you guys just play with the live experience? Do you change them a bit? Like, how do you keep it interesting?
3: I mean, it, it kind of depends on the album because we've – We've kind of changed the way that we we do music now. I mean, back mm-hmm. like our first couple albums, you know, we, we wrote a million songs, and we learned them, and we performed live, and we had them perfect, and then we went in and we recorded them live, and like, you know, that's Eat My Heart Out. We recorded that album in like four hours, <laughs> and then because I'm awesome, it was the same deal. You know, we wrote I don't know how many songs, and then... You know, we went through and picked our favorite ones with our producer, John, and, you know, we we rehearsed it, rehearsed it, rehearsed it, and then for the most part, we cut that one live. Um, we took a few days to do that one, though. It wasn't four hours. <laughs> but <laughs> now, I mean, with those old songs, I think after playing them so for so many years, I think that they kind of are their own thing. You know, mm-hmm. I haven't I, – I don't really hear – the old recordings too often like every now and then I'll hear one and I'll be like oh my god that's how that's supposed to go because <laughs> you know there's there's the version that's recorded and then there's like the version that we perform and sometimes they're really close and then sometimes they're not like because I'm awesome we play that song so many different ways like sometimes we completely drop out instrumentally in that last verse and mm-hmm. you know there's different inflection and different times and yeah, I guess. I mean part of it is just not not worrying about it, you know. They're just songs and I mean as long as people can kinda of sing along to the chorus and we don't change things up too much then we just have fun with it. Cool. Awesome. But, I mean that Yeah, makes... but now I mean it it is kinda of different now I guess because like all the new songs, we write the album as we demo it. As and then the demos are usually the final version that goes on the album. So the last like three albums that we've done, we just you know, Lewis and I'll sit down in the studio, like our home studio, and he'll have a guitar and I'll have a microphone, and you know, we'll get down the bare bones of the song, and then we'll just kind of build it ourselves from there, and then we'll finish it off with with John in the studio, and then we do drums last. And so with the newer songs, we don't even we haven't ever learned some of them because we've never played them for real. Like, <laughs> it's kind of weird. It's like in reverse. And so now, you know, when when we have like a recorded version of, say, like Get Weird, I mean, that song, we recorded it one way and then we went to go perform it as a band and learn the song and it's so hard because, you know, we did the Can't camp, camp, Hurry Love drum beat and all these different parts that, You know, we actually try and play it as a real band. It's kind of tricky, and so then we have to really do our work afterwards to learn the song, which is kind of backward. But that keeps it, I mean, that keeps it really fresh. I think when we play it live, because we're still trying to hold it together.
2: Um, when you're writing, when you and Alyssa are writing, do you, is it kind of collaborative, or does one person focus on the lyrics, while the other focus on the music? And what usually comes first, or is it, it dependent on each song? Like, do lyrics come first, or the music come first?
3: I mean, usually we just, because we don't have a whole lot of time now, and we don't, I mean, don't have the luxury of sitting and coming up with parts, separately and then putting them together and like I don't have a book where I write lyric ideas anymore like I don't have a book where I write anything anymore I'm just trying to like be a mom and be a band and make sure that we do all the things we're supposed to do and so when we sit down now a lot of the time like Lewis has millions of guitar riffs in his head he'll just he'll start something and then I'll just I'll start humming a melody and we'll record the melody and then you know I'll I'll quickly write out some words and, you know, try and work on, like, we just kind of go, like, verse, pre-chorus, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, and, you know, we do the bridge very last, and we just we we just build it in real time. And so I think, like, our, our EP that we just released, Mama's Gonna Knock You Out, that is probably one of the things I'm most proud of and is most fun to listen to for me because – you know, we just, we sat down, we had two days to write. We wrote like eight songs um, because we were, we asked uh, John if he had any studio time because we were in L.A. after we did the live album thing before we were coming back home to Florida where we spend like most of our time now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I got time, but it's I only have Monday and Tuesday of next week. And this was on Friday. Oh, wow. And so... We were like, oh, God, like, how are we going to be ready to record an EP on Monday if it's Friday? And we're in L.A. with our two-year-old, and we don't really have, like, family and babysitter network. And so we just we stayed up for, like, two nights and wrote, like, eight or nine songs. And then we just, you know, we picked the two and or the three that we really liked, and we went for it. But they were not ready. I was actually scribbling the lyrics as I was singing them into the microphone for like,
0: yeah.
3: So, and I think, I don't know, there's something like magical and spontaneous about that where it's just, it's very visceral and it's very, I don't know. It's just, it's just really quick in every single way. And I think it's honest because we're not overthinking things and you know, it just, it feels really natural, which is good.
2: That's awesome. Um, would you say that um, having a baby, time constraints, of course, um, has changed your writing style at all? Like, what you write about, how you write, what you think about?
3: Um, I think it's probably made me just more confident as a human. Like, I think mm-hmm. it's opened up parts of me that, you know, probably didn't exist before. And, you know, as much as it's a really serious and heavy thing, I think it's also – you know, really brought such, like, lightness in so many ways to our life, and, you know, the things that used to seem important, you know, a lot of them aren't anymore, and, you know, things like rock and roll and music and friendship and, you know, all of of the things that really matter are a lot more clear, I think, now, and, you know, we can kind of look back at things retrospectively or, you know, write songs about friends' experiences that we're seeing, and it's it is a little bit different now. It's not necessarily deeper or anything. It's just a little <laughs> bit different. <laughs>
2: gotcha. Um, I want to ask uh, about, about the live album and um, the video. Um, my curious question is, with the, with a lot of live albums, people tend to put, like, dialogue in, and, like, when there's fan banter, because you guys, of course, always talk to the crowd. In the in the album, the audio album, there's really none of that. It's just the song, one song after another. There's cheering from here, here and there, but that's about it. Was it, yeah. was it an active decision to leave the banter out, to just have the song? Yeah,
3: you know, I think we had about, like, 15 minutes to decide. And <laughs> the, the guy that mastered it for us, you know, he was like, he's like, look, you know, you can do it. You know, I can, I can either be done with it today and we'll just focus on songs. And then, you know, you've got all the, the banter and stuff on the DVD. You know, and maybe that makes the DVD more special. Or it's Paul Logus, not the guy that mastered it. <laughs> um, his name was <laughs> Paul Logus. He's like, but you know, if I were you guys, I'd do the music, and then if people, you know, really want to hear them between stuff, it's on the DVD version. And so, you know, it was it was kind of an issue of time constraints um, because otherwise, Lewis and I would have had to go through. And I mean, we cut out a lot of the banter for the DVD as well. Um, so we had to. We would have had to give him, like, time stamps of everything we wanted to keep versus cut, cut. It was just – it was easier to not, not include it all.
2: Gotcha. Okay. Well, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, truthfully, for me, it was kind of refreshing listening to it, just having the, the straight-up music, especially since it's more or less serving as a greatest hit. And right. even though I have <laughs> all of your records, I, I was, what I always liked about live CDs growing up um, was it was my favorite way to introduce people to a band you get the energy yeah. of the band from the live performance, but you also get their greatest fifth because nine times out of ten, it's when a band true. puts out, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, a live album. Like, I remember I got into Aerosmith in, in, in junior high school, and it was because they had released a, lot, a double live disc called Little South of Sanity, and I had not really heard them before that. Um, right. And then I heard that album, and I was like, oh, these songs are all great. Is it Like, is this the album? Like, what is it? And then I discovered that, you know, it's all these songs are scattered over different albums, and then I go get the, all the different albums, you know. I think that it's a fun yeah. way to kind of get people into something they may not have heard before.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think oh, we do have a version of Jackie Chan with all the so that we gave our pledges as, like, a bonus. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't have a whole lot of live albums, but, I mean, The Clash on Broadway was sure, one, of, one of my favorites. Um, and, of course, Cheap Trick, Budokan. Um, but, yeah, it, it's true. It's just a really easy way to to do a Greatest Hits without saying, like, hey, we're going to do a Greatest Hits album
2: now. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Which, yeah, it feel, I feel like is less a thing now because, I mean, with the iTunes generation and digital downloads, it's like if you want to make a Greatest Hits, you could just pick and choose the songs you want, you know, yeah. instead of. So, like, for a band to release something that goes, here's a studio Greatest Hits, Without anything new, just seems a little odd because you know, like,
3: yeah,
2: why would someone buy that if they have everything else and they can mix and match on their iPod? You know, exactly. Um, so I know that I've been a fan for a while of you guys, and so you guys have kind of existed pre-social media and internet and, and digital downloads. Um, how has the evolution of the music industry and in, like iTunes, Spotify, and and all of that stuff, Bandcamp, how has that affected Music and, and, and how you write and how you sell, you know, has it impacted you negatively, positively? Is it kind of a give and take?
3: Uh, honestly, I think it's, it's the only reason why we're able to, to still be a band and do this that mm-hmm. you know, to make our living this way. Uh, because, you know, when we first started out, we did the, you know, we were on Lookout Records and then we were on Blackheart Records. And, you know, we toured and we hustled and we had to buy our CDs from the record label. And we never saw any royalties because record labels spend money in really weird ways and then you don't have right. royalties and you know, we didn't we didn't own our songs and so when we were lucky enough to get placements, you know, we got less than half of, you know, the amount of money that got paid to use a song and you know, it it really isn't a sustainable way to make music for artists that are on a you know, like a mid range level. And so, you know, now it's, you know, all of the different ways of connecting with fans on the Internet and, you know, the fact that there isn't a huge wall of some company in between the artist and the fans, I think that we're able to, to truly be closer to our fans in a way that, you know, actually means something. We're not just trying to sell CDs. We're actually, right. like, making music for people, that we interact with on a daily basis on like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And, you know, it, it actually means a lot more to us, I think, and to our fans probably, because, you know, we know each other and, you know, we don't have to, you know, hide behind the like pseudo mystery of, and it's, you know, so cool they're inhuman and, you know, it's just, it's, it's really refreshing I think. And, you know, sure people you know, download music and don't pay for it. But I think a lot of those people, if they like it, they, you know, they'll go buy a CD or, you know, buy a poster or a, a t shirt or something that sure. show or from our store online. And I think in the end, by just being open and not, not worrying about it and just continuing to work, I think that we are far, far better off you know, than we ever were in the early days.
2: Yeah, I mean, I know for sure, like for me, I mean, you know, I, I reached out to you through the old fashioned email and website back in the day when I interviewed you. But like this yeah. time around, like I saw you guys posting about sharing the new, the live album and wanting to reach out to people who want to help promote it. So I messaged Twitter directly. I messaged uh, the Dolly Rott's Twitter and then Lewis replied and sent me the info and then told me to reach out to yeah. Dana. Shout out to Dana for setting this up. And so yeah. like, it's, it's just really cool because that's something where even years ago it was emails back and forth and it's finding the right person. And now it's just so direct. If you have this connection yeah. to, to the people who appreciate you, you can kind of just have this dialogue and it was really cool. Like, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm a, I'm a podcaster and I have my own website, but at my heart, I'm still a music fan. So when Lewis replied, I was like, Oh, awesome. I'm talking to Lewis. This is cool. You yeah. know, like that moment. And I think social media's kind of brought for the right, you know, uh, parts of the industry and the right, um, you know, um, genres of music, I think, like, especially the more mid-range to indie, like, it's just, it makes it such a smaller planet for everybody. Yeah. So everyone can connect, you know?
3: Twitter is an amazing tool for that sort of stuff, too, because, I mean, people can tweet at us all day and, and get real responses, but and at the same time, like, you know, I, like, I tweeted something to Melanie Soska. She sang and recorded the original brand new key and yeah I don't remember what happened she had tweeted something about it and like I wrote back about something and then she's like oh my gosh you do that version of the song and then (laughs) we we went to direct message and I got to tell her that you know when I was 16 years old and you know my friend's dad was playing that record and I heard her voice I was like wow her voice is really strange but you know, she got to be in a band and she got to make all this amazing music and, like, maybe, maybe my voice is okay. <laughs> and, you know, she inspired me to be myself and not overthink it. And to to be able to tell that person that and have her validate, you know, what I did with one of her songs, which is crazy. Yeah. It's just so, so cool. And I know that that happens all day, every day, because you know, people, you know, as we still have people that we work with business-wise. I mean, you mentioned Dana. She's done our PR for us for over 10 years, but, you know, we hire her now. It's not a record label. And, like, when we, we talk to her before we put out a record and we plan it together and, you know, we still have the same lawyer that we've had because a band has to have one. And, you know, we've worked with a lot of these people throughout the years. And, you know, it's almost a friendship now on that end as well. Sure. Which I think is really, really cool.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. I was actually going to ask you about Brand New Key because it's funny. I'm listening to the album today, and I'm looking at the songs. and looking at the songs. You know, I see Brand New Key, and I'm like, oh, well, it could just be a new song that they're doing called Brand New Key. And so when I heard it, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I love this cover. Um, Yeah. How how did you just, because obviously, like, I feel like it's a, Kind of the thing that a lot of bands do, like, oh, we're going to definitely cover this song, or when we do a live show, we always cover this song. How did you, how did, is Brand New Key the one you chose because of that connection, because of how that influenced you as a little girl?
3: Yeah, I mean, it was one of my favorite songs. And every record we've tried to to play one of our favorite songs, you know, like lifelong favorite songs mm-hmm. that can help direct our fans back to something that maybe they're not familiar with. because Sure, that's something that a lot of bands, like, when I was growing up would do. And, you know, it it made me, it made me look, like, dig deeper into music that I might not have known. Like, we may never have, you know, been fans of Budcox if it wasn't for Nirvana
0: or Pixies
3: because of Nirvana. And, you know, there's just so much that other artists can do to help out other artists. And, you know, I feel like, you know, in some small way, it's a really cool thing that we can do to educate our fans, especially young people about older music. That's awesome. And so on like Eat My Heart Out, we did um, the Ron X, Be My Baby because sure. it's a perfect classic Phil Sector song. And those girl group songs just are amazing. But I, you know, you don't really, I mean, guess you hear them at like a grocery store or something, but, you know, to do it our way and maybe turn some kids onto that, like, that's really cool. And, you know, we always do, you know, I mean, we do Ramones covers left and right. And, you know, that's kind of obvious. But like sure. on Barefoot Pregnant, we did the, the do Round One Ramones medley because, you know, for anybody who doesn't know our band, that kind of really describes what we do. It's, it's like a little bit like a melodic, cute girl group on top of, you know, early punk rock. <laughs> so, sure. you know, the, the Melanie, like, brand new key thing was just, like, ah, oh, it's one of my favorite songs. I really want to do this. And then, of course, we got to record it. And I was like, this isn't even in a key. This is the weirdest song in the world. <laughs> it was a struggle. It was definitely a struggle. But but yeah, it's just a cool uh, thing that you get to do.
2: That's awesome. Um, typically, in an interview, I'll ask an artist I'm interviewing what they like to do in their downtime. But I also have interviewed plenty of new parents to know that pretty much, there is no downtime when you're a new parent.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, But on the rare occasion, you get to indulge in a hobby that isn't writing music or taking care of your child. Um, Do you still have things that you do to kind of unwind and relax when you actually get to relax?
3: I really should, really should. (laughs) I've been wanting to do yoga for like 10 years. Maybe, Uh maybe I'll start. All right, there you go. But yeah, I mean, it's, sort of ridiculous but i mean I, I actually have started learning to play drums i mean that that is also oh, cool. one thing that i've been trying to carve out some time for like i'll put him down for his nap in the early afternoon and then i go in our studio and we got a drum kit right before the uk tour so that because ricky our drummer flew from la our house in florida and so in order for us to rehearse we needed a drum kit so we had to get one and we were either going to like borrow one or whatever but we found like a really awesome cheap one on Craigslist for like a hundred bucks. So I don't know, set it up and we got home and I was like, I really want to learn. So Ricky gave me a Skype lesson on the basics and I've been learning to play. Like I've been playing along to old Weezer stuff and like the amps, like Kim Deal pre, pre beaters, yeah. and a lot of just like really easy stuff. So it's been really fun. I love playing drums.
2: It's funny. You talk about drumming and drummers. Like I thought one of the coolest things about the opening of the video because I can gauge what, oh, yeah? <laughs> what, when I when I when I when I I can gauge how, how many years it's been since I've seen you last by which drummer in the band, like yeah. you know the first couple of times I saw you was Chris and then and there was some, and I think it was really wonderful that at the opening of the DVD you have all, all the different drummers there. You put the dates yeah. they were in the band. Like, that was really
3: cool. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, it's something that people are always like, "Is that weird that you guys have so many drummers?" But I mean, we've been a band for so long, and one of the hardest things was, you know, the two of us have, I've all, pretty much our whole life we've been together, it seems like, and, you know, we're both, we are, like, workers, and every day we wake up and we work on what right. we do, and we really want to be successful at whatever that is, like, you know, let's call it, we did really good. Like <laughs> At the end of college, you're like, we're going to be in a band, but we have to really do it. So, like, we moved to L.A., and we worked day jobs, and then we did the band, like, every night of the week almost. And, you know, we just, we kind of never stop. And I think, you know, for somebody who's, you know, either, like, spouse or partner, whoever isn't in the band or in music, it's just, it's a huge time commitment Sure. to, like, actually have been in the band, like, Amy, she toured with us for years. And I think the straw that broke the camel's back was eight weeks on warp tour in a van, all in a row. And she got home and she's like, You guys, it's been fun, but I don't ever want to go on tour again. She's like, I'm just <laughs> done. I want to be home. And like, just be around family. And,
0: sure. and she's
3: like, you should call Chris Black, though, because he's not me the bank ticker bang anymore. <laughs> and so we called Chris. We were like, dude, you want to come and practice and play around and see? And he came and we were like, all right, cool, let's play some shows. And, you know, then he got married and they wanted to have a family and he needed to get a real job. And so, you know, at each point, It's just the thing that makes sense to do. And, you know, Lewis and I have to keep going at this point. Like, what are we going to do now? Like, we're not going (laughs) to go back, and I'm not going to go get an entry-level lab position as a biologist. Like, hell no. (laughs) So, like, we've got to wake up every morning to work on this. And so, you know, it just, whoever really wants to do it at any given moment and can either take time away from work or their life, you know, it's perfect. So it's actually really fun, too, because touring it's hard, and you sure. know, especially once you get older, so to have some somebody new around that's excited about it it, it helps us you know, like <laughs> Ricky, She is so positive and fun, and she's just so stoked to be on tour because she she quit her day job right before we left for the tour and. Oh, nice. Yeah, you know, she's, yeah, she's a drumming full time now. Her band has released an album and they're on tour right now. And so she, she decided like, you know, I'm going to just be a drummer. And so she just has that drive and that excitement to be out and doing it. And I think as, you know, as long as she wants to, that's, that's all that matters. You know, sure. she's sick of us and she'll just pass the torch.
2: <laughs> but I think it's, it's nice, and it says something about you guys as a band that even after these people have left for because of life things happen, that they still want to come back and be a part of the family and, and stay in touch. And yeah. I think that's really cool. I just, you know, you I've been listening to music for a long time. You read all these stories about people leaving the band and they hate each other. And, you know, it's terrible. Yeah. And like. It's nice to know that that's not that's probably not even the most common thing. That the bad breakups are most are the loudest, are the most heard of because they're yeah. the loudest. But it's probably mostly just life happens, and I think it's cool yeah. to kind of advertise that in the DVD. Like, cure are all our drummers. You know, they're yeah. so cool people. I think that was really neat.
3: Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad it, it worked out perfectly. So,
2: um, it was pretty cool. So. Obviously we talked about the the audio disc for family vacation and uh, we talked a little bit about the DVD, but um, I'm curious why do both, you know, I mean, you could have just as easily released a live album and not done the DVD. Did you want to have this kind of documentary of this tour or that, that performance at least, you know, what, why do the DVD as well?
3: Um, I mean, really the DVD was just for all the people who have never seen our band before, because mm-hmm. we, You know, like, we find more and more, like, with our interactions with fans that, you know, there are a lot of people, like, around the world that are probably never really going to see us play live. Right. And so, you know, they can go on YouTube and, like, listen to, like, really crappy, like, phone (laughs) recordings of a show and kind of watch it from a horrible angle or, you know, watch music videos, but that's not really the same thing. And so, you know, we felt like it was important for us to to just have a show documented. So, you know, either, you know, people who haven't seen us in a long time or, you know, might never see us play will kind of get an idea of what it's like.
2: I think that's a great reason to do it. Um, The next question I wanted to ask is going back to talking about being a parent. Like I'm not a parent yet. Um, Me and my wife have not, decided on what the next stage of that is yet. We're, we're thinking about it, and we're in talks, but we haven't figured that out yet. But as a fan of music and a music nerd myself, I, I often fantasize about my son or daughter and how I would introduce them to certain music. Do you have, like, a plan of what you want to introduce, what kind of music you want to introduce to, to your, your child, besides, besides your own music, of course, like things that inspired you, things that you think that you should hear, And do you want to kind of give them the freedom to discover whatever they want?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of it is just, I try to remember to put on, you know, I just, we listen to Pandora a lot, because sure. I'll just, I'll put in an artist, and sometimes it's not even an artist that I'm crazy about, just so that he can hear it, you know, so sure. we'll, you know, I mean, he listens to everything, like, you know, you like old school jazz, like Louis Jordan, or we'll listen to classical or, you know, we'll, we'll just put, like, Nirvana on Pandora and he hears the 90s. <laughs> you know, or, you know, we'll put on Bowling for Two and he'll talk about Uncle Jarrett. But, you know, I, I just want him to hear all of it, you know, like Elvis Presley, Chuck Berry. And sure. It's There's so much good music. I mean, I'm not going to play, like, you know, raver dance music or... <laughs> I I just, the things I can't really listen to myself, so I guess there won't be much of a metal education or country, (laughs) but pretty much everything else. Everything else is is probably going to be there. A little dance music here and there if it's, you know, like the cheesy top 40 style. Sure. But, Um, yeah. Honestly, it's just, it's kind of just everything. And then, you know, he can pick and choose.
2: And I'm sure it's been going really quick. I mean, you know, I I just the you know watching my own nephews and nieces grow up, it, it happens so fast. Do you do you hope that he pursues an interest in music professionally in the future, or are you kind of open to whatever you you want him to learn instruments? Do you have a like a? I mean, obviously you can't plan his life, but do you have like kind of an aspiration for your son as far as music goes?
3: No, I really. I really don't, to be honest. I mean, we joke mm-hmm. that we want him to learn to play drums so that we're cool, family. <laughs> but I mean, I, I love that he loves music, and he, you know, he goes around singing our songs and playing air wow. guitar, and you know, he he likes to actually play the drums. He's pretty good, but I'm not going to push him in any one direction. I think that's something that my parents did. That was really awesome. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, well, maybe they should have found something I was really good at and made me really do that. But <laughs> I I did a little bit of everything throughout my childhood. And I think being well-rounded is really important when it comes time to decide who you want to be and what you want to do. And I, I don't care what he does. I really – I don't care at all what he does as long as he's happy. That's really, truly all that matters. And, you know, that's pretty much what my parents pushed, you know, my whole life. <laughs> Was just you just have to be passionate, and if if you're not, then you need to do something different. And I think that that's that's the key to life. I mean, you don't sure if you're not if you're not enjoying it, then why bother? You know, <laughs> if I don't know, I mean, everybody has struggles, and yeah, there are some days when I don't want to do my job, which some people would are like, what? Yeah, right, of course. <laughs> There's a lot of parts of this that are work, and you know it's hard, but in the end, it's really satisfying, and it. It's something that's bigger than just us now, and it's it's something that I feel really, really lucky to be doing, and I just hope he finds something that makes him feel that way, too.
2: Cool. Awesome. I think that's a good way to be. I kind of was very lucky that I was raised by my father, so, you know, he exposed me to the music he liked but never really said, you have to like this or do that, you know. It was very kind of hear some stuff yeah. to get you going and then run with it. I, I always appreciated that.
3: Uh-oh. 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 Um, uh oh! Neighbor, he on high alert. Hey,
2: it's okay. Um, the the next thing I wanted to ask is so obviously we talked a lot about about the new live record. Is there a new studio album in the works? I know you guys said that you don't really have a ton of time to write, but is there a plan to get a new one out anytime soon?
3: Um, actually, so there is a crazy possibility that. That two different albums may happen. That we do something with this year.
0: Oh, cool. We'll see.
3: Yeah, that's that's a big a big maybe, but it it's just that it. may be happening. Yeah. So, cool. I I mean, it, it feels. I think Lewis and I both feel ready to, you know, wow. do another album. I mean, we finished up the the live album thing on Pledge, and you know, we have we still have some work to do on that because people could. They could get an acoustic song and we would, you know, like do an acoustic cover of any song that anyone wanted. So we've got a month and a half of those to do. (laughs) But then once that's done, you know, we'll kind of be in the recording mode. And so I think we'll probably just, I think we'll try to finish, you know, Mama's Going to Knock You Out, the album.
2: Cool. Awesome. Um, Well, we won't hold you to that since you did a big maybe, so we'll, we'll just be hopeful and keep an eye out for that. Um, before we wrap up tonight, um, I, I like to ask musicians, really any artist I talk to, if they could give one piece of advice, and it's a big question, but, you know, I always am curious what people will say. If you could give advice to another performer of any kind of how to kind of get started or how to, you know, keep with it, even if you're, you've are you been doing it a while, like what what helped you the most when you were, starting a band or starting to write music um, that you could kind of pass on to someone else
3: I think you have to like book shows or you know if you're doing stand-up like book book nights or if you're writing something you have to like make a deadline where you have to turn something into someone else because for me at least I have to have something that like propels me forward so you know for us, the way that we do it now is we'll start a pledge campaign and we'll be like, okay, I guess we have to finish a record by this date. And so knowing, you know, that, okay, well, this is how long I have to complete this project that, you know, it's kind of an outside force that helps you to do it. And I think, you know, for a young band, there's nothing more important than performing on stage in front of people, whether it's like, you know, three people and a bartender and a door guy or, like, 3,000 people. It really doesn't matter. I think all yeah. of those shows matter. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you think you're ready or not. It really doesn't matter. You just got to book shows and you got to go play them. And sometimes they're going to suck and sometimes they're going to be amazing. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> once you play, like, a 1,000 of them, they're pretty good. There you go. By default. There you
2: go. <laughs> it just has to happen, right? After 1,000 hours, you have to be great. Yeah. Right? That that's the idea. <laughs> um, well, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me tonight, Kelly. Um, is there anything great. you want to promote besides, obviously, uh, Family Vacation live in Los Angeles is uh, DVD and CD. Are they available now? Are they out already?
3: Yeah, it came out last Friday.
2: Great. So it's yeah, available now. So. so definitely go check that out. Um. Uh, anything else you want to promote or push people towards?
3: I guess just come hang out with us online. I mean, you like you said, like we're we're always the ones on Facebook and Twitter doing our stuff. So if you've got questions or you want to say hi, say hi to us. And if you come to a show, make sure you come say hi to us because we always go to the merch booth after we play. We awesome. have to Meet everybody. steal hugs.
2: Well, you know, I everybody. I can't wait for you guys <laughs> to come back. I can't wait for you guys to come back to New York so I can see you again. It's always a blast seeing you guys. Um, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. It's, it's great you know. to catch up with you, and uh, we should do this again in a couple of years.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, we will probably see you in mid-August. So Awesome.
2: I will definitely have to you come to the happy. show then.
3: Yeah. Yeah. A <laughs> awesome. follow-up right. follow
2: on-site interview with my phone. Yes. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Kelly. All right.
3: You got it. Have Have a a great night.
2: night. Take care. Bye.
3: Thanks. Bye.
1: If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.